Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast, where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules and haunted gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwake and a Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk to you about snipers. Pew pew. So... If you are able to hit someone and they are not able to hit you, you win. We talked about that briefly Tuesday's episode in Flying, and it is kind of by that thinking that we are pairing these two together for the week because they are very much related subjects. If you are above them, they can't hit you. For the angle of a sniper, however, it is range. If you can hit them from farther away than they can hit you, and they cannot get to you before you kill them, you win. Period. It is just one of the automatic win conditions in a game. Just, if you can hit them and they can't hit you, you win. Unless they are able to escape or counterattack, you win. So, I'm curious, Nathan, what do you think is the longest range that is possible? Lots. Okay, uh, more seriously, (laughs) I think... Yeah, but uh, let's see. Five, no. Actually, sorry, let me me rephrase the limit, though. So I am not going to include the highest levels of magic, so I'm not going to include something like uh, Meteor Swarm, which has a one-mile range, because that is, you know, epic-level magic. We are not counting that. So let's say, let's limit it to at will. So either a weapon attack... Or a cantrip. Remy, this, this, this doesn't change anything about my guess. I don't know stuff okay. like you do. Uh, but that's the point. I, it's just, something I want you to think about, because that's the point of thinking about snipers existing in let's, a D&D let's world. Just say, let's just say it's like um, 500 feet. Yeah, that's pretty reasonable. And also, that's really fucking far away. It is, in fact, more than that, but that is reasonable. So let's go through the most common ranged attacks, which would, of course, be bows. A short bow has a range of 80 feet or up to 320 feet with disadvantage. Pretty freaking good in all honesty. Because, again, considering a movement speed of 30 feet, then even if someone used the dash action and moved 60 feet in a round, then that would still take them, I mean, depending on the exact positioning, let's just round it a bit and say six rounds of that you'd be able to attack them before they could get to you. However, it gets better if you upgrade to a longbow. A longbow has a range of 150 up to 600 feet with disadvantage. 600 feet means a average creature like a human or a tiefling with a 30-foot movement speed would take 10 rounds with the dash action to get to you. 10 rounds of combat is enormous especially if you consider a few additional factors. The sharpshooter feat is one of the best feats in the game, flat out. It has three amazing things that that feat gives you. First off, you flat out do not take disadvantage on long-range attacks anymore. So instead of disadvantage up to 600 feet, it is simply you can attack from up to 600 feet away with a normal attack roll every single turn. But it continues. You no longer have to worry about half or three quarters cover. 
So even if there's some shit between you and them, as long as they're not completely hiding behind a tree at the end of their turn, then it doesn't matter. And even if they were to hide behind a tree and then start running, you have prepared actions. So you can simply say, I prepare to shoot them when they step out from behind that tree, and then do that, and then kill them. But there's more. The third ability of Sharpshooter. You can choose at any time before an attack roll to take a negative five penalty to the attack roll. And then if you hit, do an additional 10 damage. So, so you're telling me that this is the sharp part of sharpshooter, right? Yes. Where, where it's more painful. Yes. That's the sharp part, and the first parts have to deal with the shooter. So with one single feat, you get all three of those tweaks to how you are able to attack at range. So any ranged character that uses a longbow can fire up to six hundred feet away so even if you have a level one variant human character the big benefit of variant human is that you get a feat at level one so if you have a variant human who has a let's just even say fighter they're just not even well i'll get into the build in a moment actually so fighters also get to pick a fighting style one of which is archery which just gives a immediate and permanent plus two to all ranged attack rolls. So if you do consider that with sharpshooter as well, you can then take a minus five, that kind of helps balance that out even more to basically be a net negative three if you did that all the time. And then you could always just you know choose not to if you do find out that you're having trouble hitting something. It's just nifty and so very easy and dangerous at that range. And of course, that 10 rounds that I talked about a moment ago, that assumes that you're not moving, which you, you could be. <laughs> So if you're backing up 30 feet every turn and then using your action to attack, well, then they're only gaining 30 feet around, which means it would take 20 turns, or 20 rounds rather, for them to actually catch up to you. And at low levels, you should not be missing 20 times to be able to take out something that you're fighting. Even if you are taking that full negative five, if you don't have the archery fighting style, that is horribly dangerous and so useful a thing that it is yet another one of those just world things that should be thought about more for players and just for the sake of just dungeon masters creating an enemy. Because if you do, simply start having a sniper attack your party. And let's even just stick to relatively low levels here. If you do have a sharpshooter sniper firing at your party, their opening shot would have an advantage. Because if they're, you know, five, six hundred feet away, even if they're not, you know, the full six hundred, so let's say five hundred feet away. You don't know that they're there unless you're on a fucking open field and you see them. If there is anything that would, you know, distract view, then they're probably hidden. So advantage, attack roll, that range, super likely to hit. And if you're even just doing, let's even say they don't have a super great dexterity. Let's say they have a 14, which is decent, but not amazing. 14 dexterity would mean a level 1 character would have a plus 4 to the attack roll, normally. And then that character also then would be doing a d8 plus 2 damage. But then we factor in sharpshooter. A plus 1 to the attack roll 
because you're subtracting three if you balance out archery and sharpshooter. So plus one to the attack roll with advantage, dealing a d8 plus 12 damage as an at-will attack at level one, just from good strategy. That is practically unmatchable in terms of just 1v1, because even a barbarian at first level is really unlikely to have more than 15 hit points. And a d8 plus 12 has pretty decent odds of rolling that amount or higher. And if you consider someone like a wizard, who may only have 6 hit points, that could immediately one-shot kill them. So snipers should be considered an extraordinarily dangerous thing to exist in D&D. So, for some reason, there is a massive predilection of assassin characters, uh, NPCs, I mean, to try to sneak up and stab the party. But an effective assassin should be a sniper, because then it creates an entirely different style of fight than just everyone just just mashing weapons against each other in just, you know, a middle-of-the-night kind of fight. If you just have the one guy on watch in the party, as is typically the case, and then you simply have the one sniper that tries to attack them, that's fucking dangerous. The roads in D&D are a dangerous, dangerous place, and dungeon masters absolutely should take more advantage of that fact when just designing the world and just the lore of their world. I mean, that is so horrifically dangerously effective that are there laws against that kind of thing? Are there, like, honorable duel laws and that it is restricted to kind of do that attack at range and that maybe That's there really is cool. laws in world that even if, you know, murder is bad, which it should be but generally isn't in D&D worlds, then maybe it is only okay if you do just confront them face to face in honorable combat that, you know, today I should be your assassin today. Combat. I do hope you have your affairs in order. <laughs> I mean, not even that, but just like that some representative has to announce themselves. Like if there is assassins, that there's like two guys who go straight up to the party and two guys at range. And then it is only after initiative is rolled and like they announce that, you know, we are here to kill you that they can start peppering with arrows before like after having announced themselves like the the real world has a lot of restrictions on dangerous weapons and tactics like there is the entire geneva convention has you know the rules of acceptable warfare and that is an odd absence in D&D is anything similar, that there is not any kind of restrictions in most D&D worlds in terms of what magic can be used. We did talk before about having laws regarding magic, but we didn't talk as much about simply laws about tactics and acceptable warfare. And that is very much something that should be considered more. Because if you had five archers with sharpshooter as, like, the guardians on the gate, you know, on, like, the... Let's say you have a city that's kind of tucked between mountains. Then at each gate that faces the mountains, if you had just five archers with a sharpshooter, not even getting into ballistas, which you should have more of, as we talked about in Siege Weapons last week, two weeks ago, whatever, whenever that was, that if you have five archers with sharpshooter and a dragon shows up, I have actually done the math. Like, if you have, like, okay, not level one, guys, but if you just have decently trained force of archers, 
with sharpshooter and longbows, even with no magic items, dragons are horrifically dangerous in D&D. However, something that a lot of people don't think about or just forget about is that they have extremely limited range. A dragon, like let's use red dragon for the example. Even though if you have a red dragon with a 90-foot cone fire breath, that is a huge wave, but that's really not a lot of range. So if you have a dragon just gets peppered turn after turn with arrows before it can even fucking get to the gate, it actually helps explain in-world why haven't, you know, monstrous dragons just roasted every single city? Then you have this ready-made answer. A well-trained team of snipers can ward off most things. Like, unless you have horrifically dangerous monsters, or if you have monsters with massive range to their attacks, which most standard ones simply do not, teams of trained sniper archers can ward off most things. And that's if you just have a handful of them. Like, it's actually really fun to think about if you do, like, scale up to thinking about armies in a D&D world. Because regardless of how tough a character is in melee, if you have a thousand archers all firing in unison, you're fucked. Because as I so often love saying, action economy in D&D is everything. If you have a bunch of dudes with bows just firing in the general direction, some of them are gonna hit. Because rolling a 20 on an attack roll is an automatic hit regardless of AC. So if you had a thousand archers, even if they're not fucking proficient with the bow, if you just shove the weapon in their hands and say fire in that general direction, even if they have dexterity as their fucking dump stat, so they'd be rolling with a negative one to the attack roll. Some of them are still going to roll a 20, mechanically speaking. And logically speaking, if you have a thousand arrows fired in the general direction, that general direction is in trouble. So thinking about tactics, strategy for just a single sniper, or whether you do have an army with an, an archer battalion, you should think about extreme range so much more. And everything I just talked about was just from the weapons perspective. Now let's move on to the magic side, because magic allows all kinds of extra shit. So, I'm curious, what is the cantrip with the longest range? Or just what is the range of the longest range cantrip? Either one. Take a guess. Uh, 60 feet. Nope. Hotter. Oh, I was hoping you'd guess. I'm good. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> 120. Yeah, that's correct. So there are actually quite a few cantrips that do have a 120-foot range. Now, obviously, 120, not nearly as far as the bow, as we were just talking about. However, what is so much fun about 5th edition magic, and just magic in general, really, is the fact that there are so many just class features and things that can interact with one another. And... That combination of abilities is why the Warlock cantrip, Eldritch Blast, is the best attack cantrip in the game. Because that is a spell that has that 120-foot range. That is a spell that not 
that instead of scaling up the damage as you get higher level, actually allows you to fire more of them, which is massively advantageous when you do consider action economy, because more attacks means higher likelihood that your attacks hit. So even if you do have you know, a 50-50 shot of hitting, more attacks is generally going to add up to more damage in the long term, mostly. But then you get into the tweaks, like I was beginning to mention. Eldritch Blast is unique in that there are many, many abilities that a warlock has access to to tweak what the spell actually does. And there are honestly a lot of them, so I'm only going to mention the most relevant to this discussion. Because 120 feet is not nearly as interesting as the longbow at 600, let's start with just the range side of things. Warlocks get Eldritch Invocations that allow them to change various abilities that they have or how certain things work. So the Eldritch Invocation, Eldritch Spear, its only effect, the range of Eldritch Blast becomes 300 feet. That's way fucking improved. However, still noticeably less than a longbow, which is where the feet side comes into things. So each of these builds, whether for a ranged weapon or for Eldritch Blast, does require this or a feat, sharpshooter for the sake of weapon and spell sniper for the sake of a magic user. And do note that I said magic user and not just warlock, which I'll get into in a moment here. So Spell Sniper is similar-ish to Sharpshooter, but it has some different effects. So instead of allowing a disadvantage to go away, spells don't have that. So what it does instead is that when you cast a spell that requires you to make an attack roll, the spell's range is doubled. So any spell that requires attack roll, double the range. So even if you don't have Eldritch Blast, if you had something like Firebolt, that would then become 240 feet massively better. But I'm sticking with Eldritch Blast for good reason, because this stacks with that Eldritch Invocation. So that 300 feet now becomes 600. So a character with Eldritch Blast then has equal range to a character with a longbow. On the downside, a character that has Eldritch Blast with all of these things does not... I just had another blue screen moment. Damn it. Oh. Uh, on the downside for the ranged weapon character, however, you do still need arrows to fire a bow. A magic user is able to cast a cantrip every single turn because that's cantrips. So you then have equal range, both a magic user as well as a ranged weapon character. Both will have this maximum 600 foot range now. So now I'll move on to why I was mentioning that it's not restricted to just pure warlocks. Because the other effect of Spell Sniper, well, the third one technically, because it also gives you the ignore half cover and three quarters cover. But the third thing, you learn one cantrip that requires an attack roll. Choose the cantrip from the Bard, Cleric, Druid, Sorcerer, Wizard, or Warlock spell list. Uh, your spellcasting ability for the cantrip depends on the spell list you chose from. So, if you do just choose Eldritch Blast, which is normally Warlocks only, you then have that ability to cast that cantrip as any magic user. But wait, Remy, I can already hear the emails. That doesn't mean, that means you wouldn't get that Eldritch Invocation, and you'd generally be correct. However, there was a recent Eldritch, uh, Eldritch, uh, 
uh, what is it freaking called? Unearthed Arcana. Oof, I am not having a good memory day. Anyway, new Elder... Why do I keep saying this? New Unearthed Arcana came out in the last couple of months that has new feats for character options. And one of them very much caught my interest, which is a feat that allows any character to pick an Eldritch Invocation. So that would mean that if you are willing to invest two feats into a sniper build, any magic user could then get the Eldritch Invocation for the range, as well as get Eldritch Blast from the Spell Sniper feat as their choice. So with a two-feet investment, any magic user could get Spell Sniper to cast Eldritch Blast up to 600 feet away. Uh, I will mention, though, that because of the fact that it is the ability score based on the spell list, it is going to be charisma-based because Warlock spell. So this would be best for a sorcerer or best for a bard, but if you just had a character with decent uh, charisma and spellcasting ability, that's an option. However, that 600 feet is not the most range that a character can have. There's more, because sorcerers have a, a class feature called spell points and with those spell points are able to spend this resource they have to cast something called metamagic we talk about this in much more detail in the sorcerer episode but one of these options is called distant spell which allows you to spend one sorcery point to double the range of the spell that you cast. So this is a finite resource, true, but a sorcerer who either picked the feats or is a sorcerer-warlock multi-class, this combination has the potential longest range in the game. So technically speaking, with the if you do include unearthed arcana items in your game, and you absolutely cannot to because it is playtest content, but for the sake of argument, let's let's say that you do allow it. That is, a level ten sorcerer would have two feats or three, even if they're a variant human. So you could then have spell sniper. You could then have the one to get that eldritch invocation to get the extra range. So then you get three hundred feet range of eldritch blast. 300 feet doubled to 600 by Spell Sniper, 600 feet doubled to 1,200 feet through the use of that metamagic. And it is also worth considering that Eldritch Blast scales with character level because cantrip. So at 5th level, it becomes 2 attacks. At 11th level, it would become 3. At 17th, it would become 4. So if you do have a sorcerer, so let's just bump it up a smidge to 11th level for the sake of this, so just so it's the three attacks. Three attacks would then mean that you'd be doing 1,200 foot attacks, and you have a number of sorcery points equal to your level as a sorcerer. So that would mean then 11 times a sorcerer would have the ability to cast Eldritch Blast at 1,200 feet. Technically even more than that, because sorcerers also do have the ability to convert spell slots into more spell points, so they could choose to keep doing that. But generally speaking, if you have a combat that lasts more than 11 rounds, you're probably doing something wrong, because generally combat does not take that long. But even if it did, or if you did just get into multiple combats, a sorcerer has the ability to do that. Or you could also just go the other direction, where you have a more, excuse me, 
if you do have the choice to not use the unearthed arcana, then you could still do this by simply doing a sorcerer warlock multi-class. And then by doing that, you can simply pick the Eldritch Invocations. You can simply pick the uh, you know Sorcerer to get those Sorcery points. You get Eldritch Blast as your cantrip. And there's some advantage to the multi-class as well. Because even besides the extreme range aspect of things, if you have more Eldritch Invocations by being a multi-class character instead of just getting one via feat, there's another incredibly useful Eldritch Invocation called Agonizing Blast, which allows a Warlock to add their Charisma modifier to the damage of that cantrip, Eldritch Blast. So then, instead of just being a d10 damage, it becomes, let's just say you've got a 16 Charisma, you know, Sorcerer Warlock, so then that would be a d10 plus 3. But, again, scales up, attacks with level. So a level 11 combination, Sorcerer Warlock, would have three attacks. So three times as a cantrip, they would be able to cast and do d10 plus three, d10 plus three, d10 plus three, 1,200 feet away. Technically, it can even go a little bit more nuts. But wait, there's more. <laughs> because in addition to that, there's another Eldritch Invocation that will allow you to push someone that you hit with Eldritch Blast, 10 feet. So even if you did just have a single Warlock, any bit that they're slowed down from reaching you is more time that you have to hit them with many, many Eldritch Blasts. In addition to that, there's another uh, Sorcerer metamagic option called Quickened Spell, which allows you to cast as a bonus action another spell. So, given the fact that Eldritch Blast is a cantrip, you are allowed to cast two of these on the same turn. So then, that level 11, let's say Sorlock, would then be able to attack three times as an action at 1,200 feet. Quicken Spell, and then again, just three more attacks. So you can potentially attack at 11th level six times with one character in a single turn. Technically... You could even go a little bit farther with that if you also added a little bit of fighter multi-class into the mix to get action surge, to get another three attacks off, but that might just be going a little bit too far. <laughs> so, given all of the things that I've just said, do you think that there's any ways to extend the range a little bit more somehow? Um, it suddenly seems like the, the, the lots, but I know I, 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 it kind of feels like it's been exhausted. Generally, you're correct. However, what I mentioned way at the start about D&D magic being so very flexible and open in a lot of ways technically does allow one itty-bitty more thing. You would need, however, either just really good planning and placement or a spellcasting friend to help out, but you could still technically have this count. There is a spell called Arcane Gate that basically opens two portals up to 500 feet apart. And it is treated, and it does specify in that spell description that any object or effect can just go through the space because it's basically holes in reality. Like that's the kind of thing where you look through the portal and you just see the other side. So this can apply to both a ranged weapon as well as someone who's just blasting an Eldritch Blast from a stupid, stupid distance. So technically speaking, though, this would mean that the maximum weapon range, if you did shoot through one of these portals, so a weapon could then go 
1,100 feet, and an Eldritch Blast could be fired through 1,700 feet from the point of origin. (laughs) And as far as I am aware, that is the maximum possible range for some at-will ability. There are, again, spells with a mile range potentially in the really, really high-level big stuff, but for an at-will ability, you could technically get up to 1,700 feet, and then up to 600 feet without any kind of limited shenanigans. Because, like I did say, you are limited by your sorcery points in the Eldritch Blast shenanigans. But, given the fact that you do get three attacks per point, you have extraordinarily good odds of being able to kill something before they can actually get to you. So, now let's move on to the more utilization side of things. Nathan, how the fuck can you defend against something at that range? Uh, Hide behind cover. Yep. Now, addendum to that. What if the sniper can fly? Cry and die. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So we talked at length on Tuesday about the many, many ways that exist to fly. So even if you do consider that you just have a sorcerer warlock on a broom of flying, then they can be that 1,200 feet away and just shoot down. And they can just do that a lot. And even if they did run out of sorcery points not having defeated their target then they might choose to either come down to the 600-foot range, which then could be a pew-pew off between longbow users as well as this magic user sniper. So, on the other hand, though, if you go into the higher magic side of things as well, there are magic items that grant invisibility. So the Cloak of Invisibility is a legendary item, but it's something just I like to think about. So this cloak, unlike other methods of invisibility, does not break when you attack. So normal invisibility, and even the ring of invisibility, which is also a legendary item, break invisibility when you attack. The cloak does not. Also, the spell greater invisibility does not break when you attack. So it is possible to have a flying, invisible sniper that can be up to 1,200 feet away, or even just 600 feet away. And because they're invisible, would make every single attack with advantage, because they're, they're invisible. And this is exactly the kind of thing that kingdoms should think about. Because, again, the only way to not be hit by such a character is to not be outside. The only thing you can do is run inside somewhere and hide. And that's it. That's pretty much the only thing that you could do at that point. And that is terrifying. So, from the world-building side of things, are there laws against this type of thing? Are there people who don't care about such laws? One thing that is surprisingly rare in D&D worldbuilding is other adventurers. Even if you do mention that adventuring is a profession in your world, the spotlight is and should be on the PCs. But there is a shocking lack of description of other people out there doing shit. Like, it is expected that, you know, you have the bard in the party that spreads the word about the deeds of the party, but you never actually hear other stories about other adventurers or other people 
in the past that have done shit. And this is the kind of thing that just can really be interesting to be in the world. Just imagine if there is just like a person in your party is from a certain small town that is infamous just for also being the hometown of the greatest assassin in the world because of the fact that they are unseen and unable to be hit. They are, you know, described in these tales as just this invisible, invincible monster that no one even knows what they look like anymore. But the tales are that they are from this town. So everyone from this town is now looked down upon in fear because they may have some connection to this just monster of a character. Just there is so much world building potential in high level or just clever individuals to be out there in the world. In summary, range and positioning are extraordinarily important tactics in combat, and Dungeons and Dragons, as a tactical combat role-playing game, should have far more thought put into how such things affect the world. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rifts and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us 5 stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash riftwakepodcast. Tier stars though is a dollar and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind the scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord where we chat with the cast, and even a shout out on the show. Find us on social media on Twitter at Riftwake Podcast, on Facebook as Riftwake, and on Reddit on the subreddit r slash Riftwake Podcast. And now send us an email, riftsandrules at gmail.com. That's riftsandyrules at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.